Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They love trade-ins for boats and motors, and they can rig your boat or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians, so visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256 442 2588 and also brought to you by southern seed and feed do you want to provide better nutrients to your deer if so try southern buck food plot blends your deer will love it at southern seed and feed they specialize in making textured feed for horses cattle sheep goats hogs chickens small animals and wildlife their products are proven irresistible scientifically formulated to promote excellent herd health and hunter satisfaction they supply products to various distributors throughout the south so visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you I'm your host, Joe Bai, here today with co-host Butch Theory. And uh, Butch, you know, man, I just got back from a really awesome antelope hunt out in Montana. I had a buddy invite me to go out there. We, we did connect, filled our tags on antelope. But I'll be honest with you, man, we were out there hiking across the prairie and there was all these prairie potholes out there and they were just loaded with mallards and there was geese flying overhead and sandhill cranes flying overhead. And I was really like, talking talking to alan talking to my buddy i was like man we need to get these antelope tags filled run into town and grab some waders because <laughs> these these yeah. ducks are getting on my nerves man and that opportunity really kind of leads me into thinking about what i always end up thinking about when i'm going on a duck or a goose hunt any kind of waterfowl is what size shot do i need and i feel like i ask the question people ask me the question i don't always know how to answer it well, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of options. There's tram yeah. equivalent, there's velocity, speed, there's shot size, there's shot length, there's shell length. You know, it's a ton to it for sure. A lot of different options. Yeah. So today we are going to be efforting towards answering this question once and for all. I'm hoping to not have to uh, ever ask this again after this show today. To do that, we've we've got a real expert with us this week. We're talking with Ben Frank. He's the head of project management, is also a former shot shell engineer with winchester well ben welcome to hunting land man tell us a little bit about uh, your background with the company all right well thanks for having me so uh i actually started with winchester about 20 years ago as a product development engineer i was in engineering for about eight to ten years and then i got into law enforcement sales and then whenever winchester and browning launched browning ammunition i moved over and I was the Browning brand manager. And so I worked on a lot of products there. And then now I'm the product manager for both Winchester and Browning ammunition. Very cool, man. Well, you know, uh, this is something Butch and I talk about a lot of times when, when we've been able to hunt together and especially dealing with waterfowl, it's like, what size shot you bringing? And it can be kind of confusing because especially in areas where you don't necessarily know what's going to land in front of you. I mean, we've got areas we're hunting where it's just as much chance of a a goose landing in the spread as there is as a, a wood duck landing in there. So, you know, there's a wide range of sizes of waterfowl. It can be kind of tough to figure out what you need to bring with big game. You know, there's, there's these general rules of thumb, like 
in terms of killing power. Most people subscribe to, you know, a thousand foot pounds of energy at impact, you know, maybe on medium sized games. Some people want 1500 foot pounds of energy on a large game, big game. Is there a rule of thumb like that with waterfowl? There hasn't really been a lot of tests along those lines. I know, you know, I actually started in shot shell product development engineering. So um, waterfowl and development of waterfowl loads and talking shot sizes and patterns is it's kind of right in my, my alley there. And, you know, but one of the things that we had tested in the past was on turkeys, you know, with lead shot and things like that. But I don't really think we've ever done a definitive test that kind of gives you penetration needed to ethically take waterfowl. Um, I think a lot of that's just anecdotal type things where you just see what works at different ranges on, on different birds. You know, as you mentioned, some of those birds are a little bit bigger, so depends on your range too. I think a lot of it just is really dependent upon your setup and how you typically end up engaging those, those animals, whether it's a 60 yard passing shot, or if you're, you know, routinely, shooting birds in the decoys. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because whenever I'm going on a duck hunt or really I should say duck waterfowl hunt, I'm, I'm thinking about really first the size of the waterfowl and maybe that's not the right way to think about it. Maybe the first thing I should be thinking about is the uh, types of shots I'm going to take. I can think back to, you know, hunting flooded timber where, gosh, I bet you most shots were 25 yards and in and then maybe hunting fields or hunting prairie potholes, things like that, where you don't know how far those shots are going to be necessarily. You don't know where those birds are going to land necessarily. So how do you approach it? What points of consideration do you think people ought to take into account? Is is that waterfowl size maybe the most important thing or what do you think? You know, it's fun to talk through these kinds of things because there's there's different rules of know thought on it like do i need more shots so heavier payload or do i need a faster velocity or does i need a, a number two versus a bb i'll just say it like this you know i grew up waterfowl hunting and typically what we used were ones and twos you know a lot of times we used ones because occasionally some geese might come in close enough and we wanted something that was a little bit bigger but most of the time we were using twos where i grew up and we weren't always shooting them in the decoys. You know, you weren't always offered a, you know, locked up shot right over the top of the decoys. You might have to take some passing shots from time to time. But I know Winchester on our end, we sell, you know, think about someone who maybe hunts down in Arkansas and flooded timber. They're getting birds that are fully committed. They're a lot closer. And those guys don't shoot as many twos as what you'd think that if anything, threes are really big down there, even fours, you know, and when I was growing up, we didn't shoot a lot of fours just because of the, the shot selections that we were going to have. So I think a big piece of it is just kind of knowing your setup. And also a lot of times it's, you know, what are your hunting buddies had luck with, or what have you had luck with over time um, that can kind of help again, anecdotally tell you what, what works best, you know, you're going to take ones out sometimes and, you know, maybe you didn't shoot as well. There could be a multitude of reasons for that, you know, but it also, you, you can kind of, if you're, if you're doing what you should be doing, which is watching the birds and seeing how they're reacting, um, that'll help you in the future, kind of making those decisions. Makes sense. You know, thinking about some of those things that we're talking about, it, it sounds like as the size of the bird increases, you know, obviously you're going to want to sh shoot a larger shot. 
and then as the distance of the shot increases is that does that same thing hold true you're going to want to shoot a larger shot as because it's kind of for me it's kind of hard to wrap my head around sometimes i'm thinking like well if i've got a longer shot do i want to put more pellets in the air or bigger do i want to put bigger and carry more energy at a at a longer distance yeah typically if if you're shooting a little bit longer you're going to you know, steel shot will lose energy pretty quickly, especially the smaller shot sizes. So they're going to work great up close if you've got a bunch of pellets. But if you start stretching it out, now all of a sudden you're not getting as much penetration. You're not delivering nearly as much energy. It definitely is a, um, you know, double-edged sword there versus, you know, you, you get enough energy, but you don't have enough pellets or vice versa. You hit them with a bunch of pellets and you know, you don't hit them with enough energy. At a certain point, though, you just got to realize that that's just too far of a shot for me to take, period. So if you're if you're really worried about just a few pellets taking them down, you just got to consider whether or not that's a good shot for you. But I think, you know, larger the pellet, the more energy you're going to have. Um, and if planning on taking longer shots, larger pellets and maybe tightening up your choke a little bit will help too, because it'll put more of those bigger pellets on target versus just scattering your pattern as much. So I think choke is also another thing to consider whenever you're, you know, considering your setup and what shot size you want to use. I'm glad you bring that up. Do you change your shot size based on the type of choke you want to shoot? Um, I'm sure, you know, but like we talk about it, kind of depends on the range of your shot. Uh, I guess the range of your shot, average shot is going to dictate your choke. And then from there you choose shot size. Yeah. You know, for, for me, if, you know, and this probably isn't unlike most, if, if I'm getting a lot of shots that are going to be close, I prefer to be more of an open choke and have more shot. So the super high velocity, but low lighter payloads, that's just not necessarily my go-to, but it is for many, many people. We sell tons of those. If anything, the higher velocity, lower payloads might be the most popular, mostly because people want to try to reduce their lead and maybe they feel like that's helped them shoot. For me, opening my pattern up a bit, having more pellets is oftentimes the you know the way that I typically lean. But you know, chokes also, you know, I, I like the open choke, but some people want to be able to shoot that 60 yard shot with some confidence. So they may use a modified, improved modified or something like that. Just talking about the number of shots. That's always something that I, I struggle with too, you know, two and three quarters all the way to three and a half. Kind of walk us through what the differences are there and what are you giving up for what you're getting? Yeah. So three, I'll just start from the very yeah, or vice versa. Yeah, so the three and a half inch is going to give you the most velocity and the most uh, amount of pellets. Um, it obviously, has more volume to hold it, but whenever they developed three and a half inch shells, they built it on a higher pressure level, meaning it allows for a heavier pressure within that chamber to be within SAMI specifications. And so it's safe to shoot. But with that comes recoil, obviously. So the more velocity and more payload, the more you're going to feel it. Um, you step down to three inch and, you know, it's kind of like that. That's the most popular that, that we sell. You, you know, if you got a good amount of shot in there, you can get a really good velocity that's going to reduce your lead compared to, say, the two and three quarter inch loads, which is really where steel kind of started. And today we don't really sell that much two and three quarter inch. You know, you, you give up some you know, quite a bit of velocity, you give, give up payload. And if you're going to be shooting a 12 gauge, 
you, you might as well be shooting something with a little bit more payload in it. But, you know, my son, he, you know, since he's started as a, you know, waterfowl hunter and I think he was 11, we typically take two and three quarter inch shells because they do have less recoil. You know, he has given up a little bit, but we wanted to buy him a shotgun that he was going to be able to use and want to use for, you know, until the day he dies. So it's a 12 gauge. I mean, we, he has a 20 gauge as well, but he would typically lean towards that 12 gauge semi-auto. It was, you know, nice in terms of felt recoil with the gas, it's a gas operated gun. It's a super X four. And with the two and three quarter inch shells, it was a little more comfortable. Definitely wouldn't step him up into three and a half inch, but I think this year he's 15. He'll probably start shooting three inch and he'll be, he'll be just fine. Um, but me personally, I don't, I don't shoot a lot of three and a half inch just because I'm not crazy about recoil. However, I've got some friends who it doesn't bother them and they want the most and best and highest velocity. And you definitely get it from the three and a half inch. You don't like getting punched in the face every time you, uh, every time you shoot at a duck or a goose. Personally, no, you know, I think, just for me, everyone's a little different. It's some sometimes it doesn't bother anybody. I'm a better shooter when I'm not getting beat up with recoil because then when the next volley comes in, I'm not quite as you know worried about thinking about that, and I'm thinking about making my shot. Yeah, I can't agree more with that. I mean, my experience. Well, that's no fun. Is, yeah, my my experience <laughs> is you know mostly with uh, three inch shells out of a 12 gauge and last time i was on a duck blind a friend of mine was next to me shooting a three and a half and he said let me shoot your gun i'll sh- you shoot mine and the next round came through and i was like you can have yours back here you go i'm yeah. good i'll take my three inch uh, all day long so uh, you know as you as you go up in shot shell length you're gaining like you said a little more velocity and and a little bit more uh, a little higher number of pellets which is going to give you longer distance shots um, as you drop down in gauge. So if you go from a 12 to a 20, does that affect what you think in terms of shot size? I mean, are you still going to go grab your twos as you're kind of middle of the road in a 20 gauge? And then if it's closer, you step up and, you know, go for a smaller shot and farther away, go for a larger shot. How does that affect things? Yeah. So, it's a volume thing at that point, right? So whenever you're only able to put one ounce of shot into the shell or even an ounce and a quarter in some instances on 20 gauge, you're, you know, you're giving up really ounce and a quarter on 20 gauge is probably tough to find. It's mostly one ounce or lower and really you're just giving up pellet count. So now all of a sudden, you know, you can get a velocity that's maybe close. Usually velocity on 20 gauge is a little lower but you're not throwing as many pellets out there. So now all of a sudden, when you do hit, hit it, hit your target, you're not hitting them with nearly as many pellets. So my personal opinion would be if you're shooting 20 gauge, it works great. You just, you might have to consider your range is going to be a little less just because you don't have the pellet count and you don't have the velocity that you have with those 12 gauge options, but it is very, it's a lot more comfortable to shoot from a recoil perspective. So you know, there's that, there's that trade-off, but you, you know, oftentimes, like you said about the shot size, knowing that I'm going to be shooting a little bit closer with it and waiting a little bit longer, I'd probably step down in shot size, meaning like use a number four instead of a number two, or if there are threes available, maybe try number threes just to give me just a little bit more pellets in, in that shell. Sometimes it just makes you feel like there's more pellets, but you know, 
twos to threes in a 20 gauge, it's not a huge amount of difference between the number of pellets that's going to be in that shell. You may be talking six or eight pellets versus if you go to fours, you're going to see quite a bit of a difference. So just keep that in mind as well that, I mean, mentally it might feel like you did something, but those two shot sizes are pretty close. So typically if you want to see a significant bump in additional pellets, you know, skipping a couple shot sizes is probably a good idea. Yeah, man, you got to hit the bird. No matter what you're shooting, usually, you know, it doesn't matter if you got a three and a half or a two and three quarter, you got to be able to hit the bird. I was, my, my dad's a tough old dude. I was hunting with him about the last hunt of the year last year, and he's over there rubbing his old shoulder. So, why do you shoot those three and a halves? He said, because they don't make four and a halves. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people that have that mentality, and that, that's okay. I mean, you know, I, I understand where he's coming from, especially on those days whenever you're like, you hit them and you just don't find them or they just keep sailing and you're like, man, if I would have just had that, I would have been fine. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsors, MB Ranch King. MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds are constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. They also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And also brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. MallardBay.com is the Airbnb style marketplace for discovering and booking your next guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the United States. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, mallardbay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook, and they can help you find your dream hunt. Ben, you know, you mentioned steel shot earlier. There's a lot of different a lot of different options there when it comes to that. How does the type of steel that you're using uh, affect? shot size shoot there's there's stuff out there that I, i'm having to go back to my high school you know chemistry class relearn the element table to figure out mm. what all this stuff is it's in this in these shot shells nowadays so does that play into it maybe kind of talk us through like as we've gotten away from using lead over the years what have we lost and is there any way to kind of gain some of that back with different materials yeah so steel to steel regardless of shape or any of that typically you're going to stick with the same shot size, even if the shapes are a little bit different. So if they're calling it twos, you know, whether it's us or anyone else, if the shape is a little different, usually we're basically saying that that's the same weight as a, you know, a typical two or at least very close to it, similar diameter, all that. And it's the same density. So, you know, steel, steel kind of thing. But when you start talking about things like bismuth, that's probably the most, the next most popular, probably because it's, even though it's expensive, it's still the most cost-effective probably option other than, you know, tungsten kind of thing that's higher density, closer to lead. Um, and when you start to use those materials that are closer to lead, you can step down in shot size, meaning like instead of shooting twos, now all of a sudden you shoot fours and you put a lot more, you know, with the same energy. So it's more dense. So it's going to, even though it's smaller, it's going to carry that much further than imagine like, you know, an aluminum can versus a 
a lead can. I mean, right. there's a significant difference there. Obviously, we don't make aluminum shot, but I'm just using that as an example of trying to how to you know feel those two out. But you can use smaller shot sizes so you can, in a sense, swarm those birds. And even at that, they it'll still retain even more velocity further downrange because you know it's a little more aerodynamic. So you're not throwing as large of a pellet downrange. It's a smaller thing that weighs the same as before. So now all of a sudden drag and wind resistance and all that stuff don't play as much havoc on it as what it does on steel. Yeah, it makes sense. So like if you are stepping up into a shell that's that's got bismuth or tungsten, uh, you know, one of those, you know, more premium shot shells, you're going to want to look to a little bit smaller shot. Like you say, you're stepping up in size. It's kind of always confusing, but you know, like you said, going from twos to fours and something like that. And I like what you said too, about if you really want to make a change, you know, maybe don't look at twos to threes, look at twos to fours. I think that makes sense to me. Thinking about the shape of the pellet. I mean, you guys make uh, different shape pellets, right? How does that affect shot size and why, and why do you do that? Well, the shot um, shape that's going to be the most aerodynamic is, is always round. So, you know, for longer distance shooting or, you know, if you're doing, you know, long shot pass shooting, that round shot's going to be tough to beat. It's going to pr- pattern the tightest. It's going to pattern, and which patterning the tightest doesn't always mean that that's a good thing. You know, like I'll use blindside as an example. We we reintroduced, a, you know, blindside two this year, which is we're basically improving the hex shot making it a little bit more aerodynamic, making it pattern just a little bit tighter so it doesn't spread as much. But when you put those flats on the side, it basically does act like, you know, tumbling bricks. And when it hits, it hits like that. So it's transferring the energy in a different way. And you may not get like if, you know, average round shot to hex shot, you might not get as many pass throughs, so to speak, because you're creating so much more trauma when you're hitting the the bird with hex shot. So a lot of times the round shot might just zip through at the same range. There's plenty of energy between both of them, but that, that tumbling action adds that just a little bit, particularly up close. So when you're hitting birds and you're breaking wings and things like that, it's just a a lot tougher on them whenever you're able to use a shape that's been manipulated like that, but you got to be careful. And that's how we developed blindside was, you know, you can't get, two out of round because then it won't fly very well. So you got to find that happy medium that you're going to be able to get velocity and energy at, you know, effective and, you know, needed waterfowl ranges to be able to ethically take birds. Blindside's great for, you know, decoying birds, birds out to 45 yards ish. But, you know, when you start talking past shots much, much longer than that, you know, you, you want to start looking at round shot, but I mean, me personally, you know, because, you know, we go up to North Dakota on occasion and I'm fortunate I have the ability to use, you know, just about whatever ammo we make to try it out and see how it works. Mm-hmm. Typically on the days that I'm shooting blindside, I shoot better because most of the time we're trying to shoot birds that are decoying that are getting closer. And, you know, there's a bunch of pellets in there, an ounce and three eighths versus oftentimes a lot of waterfowl loads are an ounce and a quarter, but the hex shot stacks in that shell and it can actually hold more within that volume. Steel is being less dense. It takes up more space. So to be able to fill up the shell, like physically, you just can't put that much shot in a three inch shell on the round stuff and still get a velocity that's meaningful. 
So with blindside, you can. So now all of a sudden you're, again, you're, you're swarming those birds with a bunch of pellets. And like I said, I, I shoot better with it because of those larger patterns. It's not, it's not larger in a sense that it's bad large, but it spreads out for that decoying bird situation. So if I understand you correctly, I mean, if you're just comparing two, three inch shells with the same amount of powder, uh, same size shot, you're going to have more pellets in that blind side than you would in a shell that's got, you know, spherical shot in it. Yeah, definitely. And if you look at the payloads on there and not just look at velocity, it'll say ounce and three eighths for the three inch. And typically the, you know, the heaviest we go on three inch round is an ounce and a quarter. So you're adding a good amount of pellets in there um, to every shell. And we're able to still get velocities close to that because we're able to use that extra space to put in a, a little more of a cushion wad in there that'll help us, you know, ballistically achieve higher velocities. Gotcha. So kind of sum all this up, if I'm understanding correct, like if we're going to go hunt, we know we're going to be predominantly shooting geese. I mean, we're going on a goose hunt. We may want to go with something like a BB. If we know we're going to be hunting puddle ducks, mallards, and, and the like, we're probably going to want to shoot something around size two. And if we're going to be hunting smaller ducks like teal or wood ducks, things like that, probably going to want to be more towards fours and then you can kind of maybe play the in-between game if you feel like you're going to get shots both of these types of of ducks maybe you got a spot in the in the timber where you're getting mallards and woodies or you got a spot you know in the field where you're getting speckle bellies and mallards and then with everything we've talked about up to this point you're really trying to understand first like what distance your shots are going to be and as you increase your distance, you're going to be looking for a, a larger shot uh, to give you a little more energy downrange. And what you gain by having like a hexagonal is that you're going to get more shots than you would at that same size shot shape. Is that is that a good summary of what we talked about so far? Yeah, that, that was a great job. And I, I have the advantage just of knowing what we sell from a shot size perspective and everything you laid out there, which is the BBs for geese, the twos for bigger ducks and the fours for um, smaller ducks. You know, if people are wondering about like, you know, is that, is this the best or whatever, whether or not it's the best or not, that's how our products sell. So those are definitely the most popular out there. Again, I'm not saying that that's, you know, end all be all, but it does kind of tell you that People wouldn't be buying them at those levels if it, they weren't having success in those scenarios. So, you know, things like threes and ones, we do sell those a, a decent amount. Um, some of it's regional. And I do think some people are starting to learn, you know, that having a few more pellets in there doesn't hurt. So I, threes seem to have been growing over the last, you know, three to five years. I'd say ones are pretty consistent but not no real growth in that but what you described was pretty much identical to how we see things going out the door good template and rule of thumb in those numbers yep i gotta ask you one more thing and this is something that uh you know you hear people saying this over the years like you know you talk about high brass versus low brass shells and you talk about a lot of us have looked at a box of shotgun shells and we see dram equivalent and we see velocities how do all these things play together it first question is is high brass and low brass still a thing? Is that still a thing that we need to pay attention to? I mean, I think what you will probably continue to see just because of perception is that waterfowl loads will continue to have high brass shells, you know, but 
us as well as our competitors, you know, we, we all have componentry now that we could probably load waterfowl loads with low base heads. You know, all of the heads, whether they're ours or anyone else that you'll find in the waterfowl field are all actually steel then they might be brass plated or they might be nickel plated, but the underlying material is steel. But the tubes today, the strength of the tubes, the powders that, that we use, the other internal components, really we could probably load them with a low base head, but perception oftentimes is reality kind of thing. So people assume that there's a big brass head on there and that's just a tougher, better, more magnum cartridge. And so that's, you know, we will continue to do that because again, I think people have that quality cue towards, you know, what it's capable of doing. Um, Dram equivalent, you mentioned, the only thing we really put Dram equivalent on is target loads. And that's just kind of almost begrudgingly putting it on there because it's been around so long and people equate a certain Dram. If for those of you who don't know, it's, it's more of a black powder equivalent. Um, and it really kind of speaks to the, shot weight and a velocity of that shot weight. So we put the velocity and the shot weight on really every product we build today. You don't really need to know the DRAM equivalent. Honestly, we don't even really calculate it for waterfowl loads because it's, we call it max DRAM because it's higher than any target load and probably higher than any DRAM load that ever was built with black powder. So we don't really put that on there, but you'll hear people talk about it, um, particularly um, people who've been around a little bit longer, a little bit more a little more seasoned yeah. and uh, they'll ask about that. But personally, I'd like to see Dram equivalent just completely go away because it just gets kind of confusing. Yeah. It's like sure. uh, if you've ever listened to reloaders talk and they're, you know, they're talking about, you know, rifles, for example, and, you know, they're talking about how many grains of powder they're using. And then you start getting confused with confusing that with the grain of the bullet. And it's like, okay, man, I'm, I was just tell me which box to buy. Yeah, you, know? you lost. You lost. Right. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. You know, one, one thing that we hadn't talked about, but I think that some people might just want to consider when it comes to waterfowl ammunition is water resistance as well as shot plating. So, you know, why are those things important? And, you know, for some, it's, it's not. You know, I mean, some people may always be hunting. They might be really lucky because if they're hunting where they're always dry and their stuff never gets wet, I'd love to hunt with them because, you know, even in fields, you know, it's going to rain sometimes. And are you going to go home because your ammo is going to get wet? So probably not, but obviously you want to keep things dry because if you can't keep your powder dry, it's not going to go off. You know, if if the primer gets compromised with moisture, it's not going to go off. And, you know, do you really want to be walking in in your waders and your coat dips down in the water and your ammo, you didn't realize it's been sitting in your pocket underwater for a couple minutes, you know, and then all of a sudden birds come in and not only do you not want to worry about, you know, should I shoot it, but you actually, you know, you go ahead and shoot it without even knowing that that happened and it goes off. You never knew about it. But if you don't have something in that shell, that's keeping that like our dry lock system and really any wads that we put into waterfowl, they have interference fit built into them, designed into them to keep the powder dry and keep water from migrating down in there. But another so, I mean, that to me, that's, that's a big deal. Um, I don't think I've ever really, you know, been in any hunting, you know, waterfowl hunting scenarios where I, you know, couldn't get wet. So, and you guys are probably the same, oh, yeah. you know, the other thing that a lot of people don't quite understand and probably don't even think about is if you buy something, you know, a lot of the uh, higher end, like dry lock, 
Blindside, you know, those products are use plated steel. And the big reason why plated steel is kind of worth it is because it keeps your shot from rusting. You know, we've done, we do a lot of testing on shot, whether it be plated or not. And even our expert shot, it, it gets a coating on there to kind of, you know, resist moisture, but it's not nearly as good as just plating it with the zinc chromate plating. And once your shot rusts, it'll actually start to stick to each other. So now all of a sudden you're shooting pellets that are definitely not round in a sense, because they might be doubles or it might just be a rusty clump of steel if it's sat long enough. I mean, you get it wet and you leave it sit for till the next season, it, you might be shooting a slug of steel out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's taking it to an extreme. But if you pull out a shot that, you know, some shot that's never been plated and it's gotten wet, it's definitely going to have some rust on it. And that's definitely going to affect your pattern. So it's the plated steel definitely is a game changer when it comes to just consistent patterns in those, those tougher conditions. Those are great points. And yeah, unfortunately I usually end up wet on a duck hunt. It's not, oh, yeah. it's not usually like from rain. It's usually cause I like bust my butt walking out to pick up a duck or something like that. But <laughs> that's, that's great things to pay attention to, right? You need to be checking all these things out in, in addition, in addition to thinking about your shot size, you need to be thinking about that, the type of the shot and what's being done with it to be able to deal with those conditions. We're not always on a sport and clay range out there for sure. You'd mentioned that you guys are re-releasing Blindside, tell me a little bit more about that. Is there anything else new for waterfowlers this season? Yeah, so probably about 10 years ago now is when we introduced Blindside. And, and actually, that was back when I was in engineering and I worked on the diamond cut wad and we worked on different shot shapes and we we settled on hex shot being the best of the best that we could come up with that would transfer that energy, give us more pellets. And Blindside 2, really, it's the same story, uh, but with improved patterns. So the shot shape's actually a little more round than it was um, than our initial blindside. So heck, if you pull open a blindside versus blindside two and look at those pellets, or if you even go on our website, there's some information there and pictures where you can see the difference, but that rounded edge really kind of helps to tighten those patterns up a little bit. And then we also, um, even though I was got to work on the diamond cut wad, we now went back to a standard four pedal wad because the feedback that we got from a lot of folks was, Hey, I want that choke response. I want to be able to, if I have an IC, I want it to open up. And if I have a full, you know, go to a full choke and it tightens up. So that standard four pedal wad really is the best that we have to offer in terms of choke response. So we incorporated that into blindside too. And so it's really just taking blindside um, to a, to another level. Well, Ben, I think we've covered it, man. Um, I think we got some good rules of thumb. Everybody's situation is going to be different. Uh, they know where they hunt, they know what they hunt, and they're going to have to make the decision that's best for you know what they're wanting to do. I'm sitting here on the Winchester website right now, taking a look at the uh, at the blind side too. That's pretty easy to Google. Is that is that where you recommend folks go? I mean, if they want to follow along with anything, you know, new releases such as this or um, uh, just anything new coming out, where can folks stay in touch with you guys after the podcast? Yeah, Winchester.com. And, you know, I didn't mention, I probably should have, but we introduced Bismuth this year as well. So we had talked a little bit about Bismuth. We've got 12 gauge and 20 gauge offerings there. Ones for, you know, talk about shot sizes, Bismuth ones for geese. 
and bismuth fours for for ducks. And the big difference there is, you know, there's we we built bismuth 20 years ago, and there's other people who built bismuth, but we're actually the only ones um, currently buffering our bismuth because it just makes a huge difference on patterns when that buffer helps keep those bismuth pellets together. They don't fracture bismuths a lot more brittle. And so when you shoot it, it'll sometimes break apart, just crushing into itself. So that buffering really helps. And it it's a huge, huge improvement over any other bismuth that we've ever tested. Um, but you can learn more about that on winchester.com. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you know, particularly throughout the season. If you follow us on those, those platforms, we're typically posting a lot of materials about our products that are timely to the hunting season. So you can oftentimes learn a lot just through those, those avenues. But if you really want to dig deep, the, the website's a great place for that. Well, Ben, we've really enjoyed it, man. Appreciate you sharing your, your knowledge, uh, both on the hunting side and on the shot, shot shell side. That's tough to say. Um, <laughs> 10 times fast. But yeah, man, we've really enjoyed it and feel like I'm ready for, ready for my next hunt. Thanks for joining us. Well, I appreciate the time guys and good luck this fall. Guys, let's take a quick break and take a minute to check out some of the businesses that keep this show free for you each week. This segment was brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. If you buy it today, you pick it up today. They offer 20 Sherwin-Williams colors to choose from and a 40-year warranty. Baker Metal and Dixie Supply, two names same great service with the addition of their new store in cantonment florida they now have eight locations to serve you dixie supply and baker metalworks your metal roofing headquarters and also first south farm credit what does a farm mean to you maybe it's just a piece of land where you can go relax or enjoy the outdoors whatever the farm means to you first south farm credit can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land as a successful financial cooperative First South shares its profits with its borrowers in the form of a patronage refund, which lowers your cost of borrowing. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. Butch, it seems like every time I go hunting ducks, I had to rethink about all this stuff. You know, my, you know, what size do I need? You know, and, and I'm talking. Oh, every time. You talk to your buddies, hey man, what size shot should I pick up, or what you know, what what should I do? And you you talk to three of your buddies, and they all get they're all gonna say something different. I mean, oh, yeah. I get you, get you some ones, and you know, oh, I get twos, you know, and you're going crap. What you do gotta I have to some carry? fours though for the ducks? Yeah, yeah. I think I think what I took away from today is that my natural kind of default mode is I want to just pick up like one shot size and stock up on it. But in reality, you need to have several different ones because even on a, even on, you think about go up to Arkansas, you know, and you're going to go hunt flooded timber one day. And the next day you may be out in a, in a flooded rice field. And those two scenarios are very different. Uh, one day you're going to be hunting, you know, medium to small ducks. And the next day you're going to be hunting medium sized ducks up to large geese and your shots are going to be much uh, further, much further. So you know, on those days, you might want to have a, maybe want to have a BB or, or ones, uh, whereas in the timber, you may want to have twos or threes or even, even fours, depending on what type of shot, whether you're shooting bismuth or, or steel or uh, whatever it may be. That's what I really took away from today is that you need to, if you're kind of getting stocked up for duck season, you need to have several different things, you know, in your ammo case and, and be ready. What'd you take away? 
Yeah, for sure, man. Unless you're literally, you know, you hunt three yeah. duck holes that are in the timber, then yeah, right. you'll be good to go. Exactly. Well, whenever you were kind of explaining that, uh, kind of brought me back to fishing rods, how we always talk about, I'm, I'm a fisherman by trade. I'm a decent hunter, you know, I'm a decent hunter, but I'm a fisherman pretty much. Brings me back to rod selection. You know, I'm going to use something a little bit different for flounder in the marsh than I'm going to use for bull reds on Dixie bar. Right. Kind of got to use whatever you can for that application. I learned a lot, man. I think Ben really gave us a good template, you know, for the for the whole gamut of birds and shot size and bird size and your length of shot as well. Yeah, I, I think you did a great job. And and I really don't think I'm going to have to ask that question the next time I'm heading out on a duck. Every hunt. single time I go buy shotgun shells, I'm calling dad, I'm calling Skipper, I'm calling you, you know, what do I need? Well, what are you going to be hunting? And it changes every time I feel like you got to yeah. have this this time. And then you got to like have threes. And I, I like twos. Right. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm ready now. Much more ready for sure, man. Enjoyed it. It was a great show. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you. To get the podcast emailed to you each week, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic, that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land Show is brought to you by the Hunter's Mate Lowdown Trail Cam Reviewer. The Lowdown High Speed Trail Cam Viewer has flipping fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical 7-inch viewers. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. Alabama Farmers Co-op. Alabama Farmers Cooperative has been serving gardeners, farmers, and everyone in between for 85 years. Visit www.alafarm.com for more information and to find a co-op near you. And Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has delivered the finest quality fish and game feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. To learn more, visit texashunter.com. And also by Patatas Defense. The Patatas Defense PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision System. Simply the best in class night vision systems ever built. Contact PatanasDefense.com to learn more. Patanas Defense, Masters of Darkness. And First South Farm Credit. First South shares its profits with its borrowers in the form of a patronage refund, lowering your cost of borrowing. Check them out at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They're an equal housing lender.